For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Podcast Networks. I'm Jeff DeForest along with Mike Luby Lubitz. And if you could uh, Google the Defoe Show and take a look at our video stream from earlier this morning on a thing called Eye on Channel, where you can find us uh, from 7 to 9 Eastern Time across the United States and around the world, you would see why it's necessary that action be taken immediately to declare the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday a national holiday. <laughs> what do you mean? I didn't look effervescent. <laughs> Picture the Nick Nolte TUI mugshot. <laughs> and Nick looked like he was ready to attend a royal wedding as compared to most of us. I would have to say it's probably universal all around the country. Pretty tough to work today because the Super Bowl game the big game ends uh, late at night uh, by anybody's standards, and you've been partying all day. And in an effort to get to the point where the game actually kicks off at 6.30, I mean, you've lived a full day. And if you started partying at like 2 o'clock like a lot of people did or maybe even uh, earlier than that, then you are a wreck by kickoff. Oh, yeah. And probably need, uh, you know, not, not just a full day of recovery, but maybe even uh, consultation with Alcoholics Anonymous. You might want to reconsider your entire existence. After a Super Bowl Sunday, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, Luby, uh, how did you enjoy the game? I, I think, you know, and everybody's great at post-race analysis. Uh, Everybody is able to come up with uh, the reasons why certain things happen. Whereas uh, we spent two weeks speculating about this matchup as to how it was going to go. I, I think in the end, some of the uh, basic elements really came to fruition, especially the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line melting down completely into Swiss cheese type of uh, conditions where there were more holes in that offensive line in the second half than there were in an O.J. Simpson alibi, my friends. And uh, six sacks occurred as a result, and the Bengals' offense that got off to a dynamite start with uh, a play that uh, another one of those plays that's mystifying how every official on the field was unable to see what appeared to be just a blatant violation of the rules, where T. Higgins takes down Jalen Ramsey, by the face masks, throws him to the ground as if he was administering a face rake at the beginning of a professional <laughs> wrestling matchup. And nobody sees it, not a soul. And people were bellyaching and bitching. The Cincinnati Bengal fans thought they had a legitimate beef because uh, things that were being uh, permissible and that were allowed uh, earlier in the ballgame by the officials in terms of physical contact on receivers and things of that nature, all of a sudden at the very end of the ballgame, uh, they reverse of uh, most NBA uh, officiating complaints where uh, people are saying, hey, if that was a foul earlier in the game, why isn't it a foul at the end? But in this case, it was just the opposite, 180-degree departure. As uh, you were asking yourself, if that wasn't a penalty earlier in the game, why is it one now? 
And uh, so Cincinnati Bengal fans thought they had a legitimate beach, but uh, beef, but they uh, they got their uh, touchdown to open up the second half and, and kind of turn the dynamic of the game around a little bit where it looked like uh, they were in a perfect position to win it and uh, even come back late and tie it up and send it into overtime. Uh, they definitely gave, gained a definitive edge there as uh, this T. Higgins play uh, was completely missed. And, and then uh, subsequent to that, uh, you had, uh, because uh, the Rams roster was a little bit compromised in terms of skill position players, do we count tight ends as skill position players? Yes, 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 yes. Offensive linemen aren't, but tight ends, running backs, receivers, maybe even fullbacks yeah. in another era. Well, when did uh, the Rams sign Moose Scarron, the old Yankee, <laughs> to be a tight end? I know they had the guy Higby uh, was injured uh, and wasn't able to go in the game, and he's usually pretty effective. Uh, you see him uh, being an impactful player. Uh, this other guy drops the ball right in his hands. Uh, it goes straight to Cincinnati. They cash in another three points. A good job by the uh, Rams defense to hold them. Otherwise, it's an avalanche of points there. I mean, within seconds of the uh, third quarter, many people were probably driving home from various parties after watching a halftime show and, like me, missed that action. You come home and uh, the game has changed. The scoreboard has uh, turned dramatically around. And uh, it looked like Cincinnati was in a commanding position. But the Rams, and uh, I kind of like this, Luby. I, I don't know. Uh, people were fans of Matthew Stafford. He's always comported himself uh, as a very dignified individual and, and somebody that uh, you could easily find yourself rooting for. He had the choke label, wasn't able to win any postseason games. A lot of times in big spots, uh, he was uh, guilty of the egregious mistake in, in a crucial situation uh, that would reverse the team's fortunes or, or uh, damage any chance they had of winning but but he came through uh, in a clutch there with a, with a great drive at the end of the ball game and uh, the rams were able to hang on so a win no cover uh what did you think uh, luby i mean did we see any definitive superiority on the part of the rams or was it just like uh, almost all of the playoff games where you literally could have flipped a coin on a couple of spots and uh, had things gone just a little bit differently uh, you get a completely different result I think until OBJ got hurt, I think it felt like the Rams may run away and hide. Once Beckham got hurt, the, off, the Rams' offense sort of muddled down and allowed the Bengals to stay in it, and they almost got away with a victory, even though they tied uh, allowing a sack record in a Super Bowl with seven overall. Pretty amazing, yeah. Joe Burrow uh, managed to, uh, you know, uh, offset that uh, with some uh, good plays, but uh, nonetheless uh, wasn't able to generate much. Uh, in the latter stages of the uh, ball game, uh, when uh, all of a sudden became crucial, except uh, nearly got him in the field goal range with little time left on the clock. Uh, we were right about one thing. Let's get into the important stuff. Uh, we told you that Sean McVay would call the first timeout uh, in the ball game. You had to lay uh, 115 to win 100 on that. 1150 got you a thousand. 11,500 made you 10 grand if you could find somebody that would take that much action on that bet. And sure enough, out of nowhere, mysteriously, as if he had action on it himself. Do you think McVay gets out of coaching? And we later find out that he was sending it in with both fists, just like he was Pete Rose on steroids. John McVay. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, he realized, wait a minute. Uh, and, and he might have even uh, been uh, in cahoots with Zach Taylor saying, listen, Zach, don't call a timeout, whatever you do. I I'm going to call like a meaningless timeout. We're both going to cash on that bet. But we find out that, uh, you know, as some uh, bag man for uh, McVeigh and Zach Taylor had agreement on that because that was an easy one to influence. And then when the timeout came, you were in shock, were you not? You were thinking Cincinnati had to call the timeout to get organized on defense. When the Rams were driving the ball down the field, looked like they were going in for a score, which I think they eventually did score in that drive. Yeah, they did. They scored like a couple of plays later. Yeah. 
But um, the timeout came out of nowhere. If anything, it was a momentum killer. Old man Mo <laughs> went right out the window. Hey, Sean, what are you doing? And, uh, you know, uh, you, you cash there. And all of a sudden, uh, there was a faint scream from the back of the bar. And it was me. <laughs> but but I, I, I fucked it up. I, I parlayed it to the under on the national anthem with this country singer who came up there. And uh, as you said, Luby, it was only a minute and 35 seconds, the over-under proposition on the length of the national anthem. And, you know, I mean, I'm thinking Gladys Knight going into this thing, but uh, I was convinced by a national anthem expert that this Guyton uh, country singer uh, was uh, going to go under, that she had a track record. If they attached, like, horse racing uh, numerology to it, her buyer speed figures all led to you to believe, all led you to believe that she was never going to stretch this song out. And the home of the brave. Okay, thank you. <laughs> right? And they have a choir out there. A choir, for God's sake, after I'd already put my bed in. Uh, and uh, now you know that that's automatically going over. It's like they bring uh, out some burnt-out country star, and, and they say, uh, okay, uh, welcome to the stage, uh, you know, Johnny Cash or whatever, if he was alive, right? Yes. And, you know, he's a shell of himself. Uh, he's out there looking like Jersey Joe Walcott did. against <laughs> Muhammad Ali. I mean, they're just like, I saw that fight the other day on ESPN Classics. And uh, somehow I uh, came across this on some oddball channel that I didn't even know I had. And, uh, wow, I mean, you, you couldn't look any more like a shot fighter. So, you know, and, and they would bring out some country star. But if, if he was accompanying the singer on guitar, then you knew that was going over. But the choir was a dead giveaway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it sucked because... All of a sudden, they break into sympathy for the devil. You can't always get what you want. That's my problem with the under on this one. Like, they went and looked. They, the people who set the line did what our buddy the professor did, who gave us really good analysis on our morning show. Um... And he broke it down yeah. on her past, like you like to do with your horse racing. She was three for three under, three for three under, and that's why they said it one thirty-five, really low. It's usually like between one fifty and two ten is where they set it at. But because she's so low, they set it low. Well, I don't think that's fair because the Super Bowl is not the three yeah. thing. Like they said it so low, it was almost automatic she was going to go over. Sadly, because she, if she came out by two herself, I thought was the uh, benchmark. If she came out by herself, she probably would have done one twenty-five. But the problem is, you came out with a freaking choir. Like, you're not going to come choir? out with a choir like and go short. <laughs> oh, and then in the middle of the song, she's like, fa-la-la-la-la. Exactly. La, 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 la. Exactly. And I'm like, get her off the stage. Like so, yeah, I screwed that up. I mean, uh, you know, and, and, and it was amazing, too, because you were getting like almost four to one on this parlay, which, uh, you know, is a nice way to bet the game. But uh, McVeigh, the, the timeout was a cinch. That was the one thing we were right about. And uh, that wasn't an original thought. But uh, we, we had uh, gotten uh, wind of the whole concept that McVeigh always does this. And sure enough, true to his characteristics and his uh, M.O., he, he did it again. They called a, a meaningless timeout. But uh, a lot of fun. Now, now uh, let's get to the serious stuff. The halftime show, Mike Luby Lubitz, was, uh, you know, you, you thought maybe uh, Goodell had lost his mind and, and this was it. He's got all these guys out there uh, that uh, have, uh, you know, what would, would have to be you would consider very appropriate sentiments let's end racism let's stop hate they're wearing this on their helmet they're wearing it on their jockstrap and you know and this was a league that uh, you know wouldn't allow uh, jim mcmahon to wear advertising on his socks right remember he used to write stuff on his socks now they're doing it so uh, they've come a long way uh, in that regard but uh, there, there had to be some skepticism on the part of roger goodell about what might take place at the halftime show let's say that snoop dogg went rogue 
that would have been uh, perhaps, I mean, a death knell for, I mean, what is, what kind of cash cow is this National Football League? I mean, they had the entire world's attention yesterday uh, for this ball game, which I, I think delivered on the entertainment quotient. Would you agree with that? Now, now how yes. do you feel about the halftime show? You're more, I mean, you being a millennial, Mike Lubitz, are more inclined to relate. Uh, I, I would have to admit, I probably don't know the words. I mean, uh, since uh, we had um, Uncle Luke come out with Me So Horny, that that's <laughs> one of the few rap songs I actually know the words to. And, and I only know the verse, the chorus, right? Me So Horny, which I, I, I thought was a stroke of just absolute pure and, and utter genius that a guy could be at like a, a rib joint. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to characterize, you know, food with this thing and get in a jackpot. Yeah, but, I, I mean, you know, you could picture him at like a Bobby Rubino's or something here in town, and he's got a napkin out. And he writes down me so horny as he passes a note to, uh, you know, some attractive young woman across the table from him. And she says, hey, you should turn that into a song. And he does. <laughs> the Horatio Alger rags the richest stories <laughs> in the rap and, uh, you know, uh, R&B field are, are remarkable. I, I have great respect for that. I, I really do. But uh, Snoop Dogg had gone rogue before. You know, he told some chancellor at whatever school that was that he was doing the Midnight Madness for the basketball team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, it might have even been like Notre Dame or something. You know, he told him, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be clean, you know. And then he went with his most, most filthy and entwined, uh, you know, uh, songs that, that he possibly could with N-words and, uh, you know, the, the meaning and denouncing of women. Now, now what if uh, that had happened? No, Jay Z would have never stood. Uh, you no, think they that's why Jay Z was at the game? He said, yeah, like, "Don't embarrass dead. me, Snoop." So they Don't went, embarrass me. They look Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Fifty Cent, Kendrick Lamar in their careers. And Mary J. Blige, not so much. But in their those rappers' careers, they've pushed the envelope a lot. All of them, a lot. Uh, at this point, in all of their careers, they they've commercialized a lot on the Super Bowl. Just the fact that they were it's the first time I didn't realize that that, that a hip hop slash rap groupage. Like an assemblage of talent had ever done a halftime show, so they weren't going to mess that up. I yeah. liked it. Look, I've grown up with all those guys. I, I, I liked, liked it too. It. I have to yeah, say, I thought they did a good job. Even being an old fart, man, <laughs> uh, even for the geezers and Caesars. So. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was well done. I mean, it was well choreographed. Uh, they had a lot of dancing involved in this thing, uh, which uh, you know, to an old fat Jew like me that has no dance moves, uh, I respect that greatly. And uh, I, I thought they put on a very entertaining show. That, that would have been my uh, judgment uh, on that whole thing. Not that it matters to anybody, but um, it seemed like the people where we were at enjoyed the whole thing, which is uh, all you can ask for. I mean, uh, you know, is that better than an aging who with uh, Roger Daltrey? Uh, he's, uh, you know, unable to hit the high notes anymore. And when he did that microphone spin, he hit himself in the head. And then Peter Townsend is dodging summons for uh, various uh, investigations about uh, child porn on his computers. And you're thinking, well, this represents what's uh, great about America and the American game, American pastime now, which is the National Football League. Uh, Roger Goodell was there. He was sitting with Russell Wilson. Uh, I, I would imagine uh, that was an easy choice for him over Brian Flores. No, Mike Luby-Lubitz. <laughs> Mike Tirico was there with a dagger right into the neck of Al Michaels uh, as the uh, heir apparent there to the Sunday night football property. On NBC, speculation is that Michaels will end up on Amazon and wild speculation. How far-fetched does it seem to you about McVeigh retiring, much. which is uh, something that's being Very talked much. about quite a bit? Very much. Gruden, I mean, enough that, uh, you know, you would have to think it might be a consideration, no? I, I hadn't heard it at all, so it's interesting that you heard it and it's gotten to be like a loud murmur. 
he's 36 years old. He won a Super Bowl. He's been to two. I mean, but from what we've heard about the guy, he lives, eats, and drinks football. So, like, at this, I understand these guys make a ton of money, and they make maybe more doing broadcasting, and it's a quarter, if not 10% the work. But, like, these guys at that 10%, young age. 10%? What are you kidding me? I mean, you, you could literally float in there at the last minute and do what <laughs> these guys do. I mean, they know everything about the... Uh, you know, the strategies. I, you know, a guy was on the sidelines coaching a Super Bowl winner. You, you think he needs to uh, do an immense amount of studying? I got a kick out of it. I, I, I don't know. Did they really do all that much research yeah, they, to they, do the color analysis for these games? Because I, I don't know that it shows up, does it? No, no, it doesn't. But they do, it's yeah. It's the they, same cliches uh, after every play, is it not? <laughs> oh, well, you know what? They really want to put it into the end zone on this one. Okay, great, Chris. I, I thought that it would want to stop at the two-yard line, uh, you know, if they got a playoff here and. You know, maybe try and get it on the next one. This is four down territory. He's running downhill. I mean, so, so many different things pop up. But, uh, you know, Collinsworth was implying that he does, like, an immense amount of studying before he takes the booth for any game. And not that he uh, seems uh, ill-prepared. I'm not saying that, you know, he, he doesn't come in there like Tom Brookshire, remember? Where uh, Brookshire and uh, Summerall, it, it was clear. You, you talk about us looking like damaged goods this morning. Uh, they were clearly out on an all-night bender, uh, the proportions of which uh, would probably embarrass, like, Joe Walsh of the Eagles, right? I mean, uh, you know, they, they were shot. And, uh, you know, you had other examples of that, right? The Monday night crew there with Howard Cosell, Dandy Don. Remember when Howard and uh, Meredith were plastered in the booth there? <laughs> I don't remember, but I I've seen Frank videos. Frank Gifford was with them, and, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he was getting a, a, a contact high just from their breath. It was great. But, um, no, I, I don't know. Do you really need to prepare, like, an immense amount? McVeigh could uh, do this, uh, you know, and he could roll into town and on a half hour sleep probably uh, go ahead and analyze the game with an expert degree because uh, he remembers every play. He's got a photographic memory. Yes. So you don't think he's uh, leaving the I just you, you I, see that? Look, no I, way happening. I think, like, that, that, the people that, that people refer to, Gruden's still good coach. Yeah, but Gruden was fired, and that's why he took a year off. Liked it, made a lot of money. And when jobs came, he said no for years until he came back. Like, McVeigh hasn't been fired. He just won the Super Bowl. And it's no, not even, he couldn't be in higher uh, commanding Like, uh, And he's not in his uh, 50s or 60s, like 36. I mean, I don't 36, know. 36, yeah. Like, I, and they have a, a, a squad. And free agency-wise, there's really, outside of Von Miller, no one of any importance. And Von Miller is older, said he wants to come back, so you would think he could even take less money. For a team that's put together with all these stars, they actually have... Uh, enough of them signed, I like they can run it back. So to me, I maybe next year, the year after, when all these contracts come due, and he's like Sean Payton, where they're like eight hundred million over the cap, and they're not good. Sure, but like right now, to me, I, I it would be that would be one of the weirdest things we've ever seen. The dude is still too young to even coach. He's five years in, already been to two Super Bowls and won one. Why not see if you can become one, an all time great? How about he outdueled uh, Zach Taylor? It's his dude, yeah. Who? Is 38 years old and was oh, no, uh, one of his uh, protégés. Yeah, that's so there uh, while, while uh, coaching. Uh, what uh, he was with him with the Rams, right? Yes, Zach Taylor. He was his yeah. on his staff, and then I think he was an offense his offensive coordinator, and then he got the Bengals. Yeah. Game. All right, uh, pretty good ball game. I, yeah, I don't know that anybody anything. could have really complained about it. If you're a Cincinnati fan, you were happy if you took the points uh, as that fell on four. You wanted to kill the kicker for the Rams if you were betting the other way. Would have been a substantial difference because uh, you have to figure that the bookies had things about evened out. Cincinnati and Rams money, and so uh, they, they would have had to pay off and not, uh, uh, you know, given everybody their money back. They, they wouldn't have uh, made whatever juice there was on the $8.5 billion, supposedly, that were bet legally 
on the uh, Super Bowl game. So uh, we have that. And I, I thought it was a sensational uh, NFL season. Really enjoyed every minute of it. And, uh, you know, found myself. And this is what you want, right? If you end up a, a great television series uh, and, you know, the, the programs are going into summer replays and you can't wait for the next season, right? Yep. And, and that's kind of how the NFL uh, made me feel this year. So, uh, you know, on that note, uh, they certainly were a resounding success uh, despite uh, various uh, travails with COVID and other bizarre things. And, um, you know, the other interesting thing that came out of the uh, Super Bowl, uh, I don't know how many owners were there, but supposedly the, uh, you know, the talk is uh, it's time we did something about this Snyder guy. <laughs> well, some other stuff, Ian Rappaport. Talk about uh, owners and out of our neck of the woods, Rappaport said that the NFL is highly looking into Stephen Ross. And if there's any, any idea that tanking was requested by him directly, the owners could vote him out. So that yeah. actually was dropped by Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. And when he drops things like that, it's real deal. So could get interesting yeah. for a couple of owners this offseason. A lot of Miami fans would be happy about I'd that. be ecstatic. Steven Ross. Yeah. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> he does seem to be a bit of a bungling fool, even though uh, maybe I, I thought his heart was in the right place. And, and certainly he was willing to put his own money up to do things for the team. And he was willing to spend the win. Uh, just uh, mistake after mistake. We, we were talking about this on our Ion Channel show earlier this morning. You can Google that, the uh, Defoe show, D-E-F-O. And uh, we had a gentleman on named uh, John Kajemi, and, and he was, uh, you know, analyzing things about the uh, Dolphins as compared to two teams in the championship game. And, and, and you think about uh, if you're an organization, you, you can't afford to make these two mistakes when they were in a position to draft Justin Herbert. They took two at Tangabailoa instead at number five, and, and they could have stayed where they were in the draft the following year and had Jamar Chase. Now, is that not enough of an offensive dynamic that puts you on the map automatically if you had Herbert throwing a chase for the next five to ten years here as part of the franchise? You could probably fill in some of the other spots and be a decent threat offensively. But uh, instead, they got Tua, and uh, they ended up with a good player in Jalen Waddle, but he's not as good as Jamar Chase. That guy is absolutely a game-changing yep. freak. So uh, much like Tyreek Hill is uh, for yep. – uh, only a bigger version and uh, probably uh, capable of more uh, versatile stuff. Maybe not quite as swift, but uh, darn close to it, right? Yep. It's Tyreek Hill in terms of wreaking havoc. Uh, all right. Uh, that's going to do it for After Hours. Uh, and uh, that's our conclusion, our wrap on the uh, NFL season. Yes, sir. As uh, We will uh, be analyzing. And I don't, I don't really understand. I've seen it before and I should know better. But uh, the dynamics of how you score in curling. <laughs> that is so funny somehow I it evades me i can understand a lot of th i i mean i i understand sports right i follow every sport to certain levels yeah. and, and understand the rules but um i'm looking at like six discs in there and the woman is screaming as soon as she starts howling as soon as she lets this thing go right the rock and they're like <laughs> well, well these guys uh, take a bunch of shamwows on the end of mops and, and trying to uh, steer this thing in another direction there and then it hits uh, one of the uh other stones that's in there, and and nothing happens, man. It's like a bizarre, you know, psychotic game of shuffleboard. Played on ice. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I'm sure we'll see a substantial amount about, the, you know, the uh, curling uh, activities. Uh, the figure skater, uh, you know, uh, that uh, from Russia, no problem. It doesn't matter what drugs are in her system. I know she's a 15-year-old girl, and I don't mean to be judgmental about that, and maybe it would crush her for life if she didn't skate, but uh, come on, man. They already banned the team. From calling it, you know, by its uh, country name because of the steroids. And then talk about a free pass, my friend. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Anyway, uh, that'll be uh, you know a little bit of the focus uh, of the sporting world for the next uh, couple of days here, the Winter Olympic Games, where the United States United States is not getting shut out. We'll be very happy to report that. Yes. Had a couple of uh, major developments bit. there. Yeah, they came back in the last few days. This Jack of Bellas chick on the uh, snowboard, great. Jenkins, speed skating, tremendous job. Uh, Ocala, she wasn't even on, never set foot on ice until five years ago. Ocala, <laughs> Florida, crazy. she's from. That's crazy. Not a, not a lot of ice there. No, no. Except in the bottom of a glass, as the joke goes. All right, yeah. uh, we'll see you tomorrow on uh, Believe Podcast Network. So thanks so much for Mike Luby Lubitz. I'm Jeff DeForest. And uh, whether you won or lost on a Super Bowl or took us up on that proposition of Sean McVay calling the first time out, uh, remember, as you go through life, you've got to believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, (laughs) no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food. Amazing atmosphere. Good for a family. Good for a date or just a night out for yourself. And prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks, hand-cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? Recently, we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Would you go into court without an attorney? So why would you go up against an insurance company without Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa? Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, give them a call at 954 809 8752. Why go up against insurance companies alone when you can have Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa on your side? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.